Welcome to Bancroft's Broadcasts, the school podcast where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about the school and its community. This is the place to keep up to date and in touch with our school. So let's get into this episode of Bancroft's Broadcasts. So I'm really pleased to meet Simon Marshall, who is head at Bancroft's. Hello there, Simon. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? Very good. It's Thursday. We're getting through the week. We didn't get the call from ISI inspectors on Monday. So obviously, there's a bit of time before we start getting nervous about a potential call on Monday. They always call on a Monday and we're due an inspection. Oh, I see. Right. So a chance to make sure that everything is, is looking as it should be and everything's good to go. That's right. Yeah. Brilliant. Simon, tell us where you are right now. Where are we speaking to you from? Set the scene and tell us, uh, tell us what you can see and hear where you are. So I'm speaking from my office, which is on the south side of the school. And it's, I think it was originally a large Victorian classroom. I have my books behind me, or at least a selection of my books. Occasionally I get the chance to teach, so it's always good to have some books to hand. No, that's great. You've given me a picture of where I'm speaking to you from and where your office sits in the school. That's great. Now, we haven't met before, Simon. Tell me a little bit about your role at the school, how long you've been there, what brought you to Bancroft's? I've been head for now five and a half years. And well, I suppose mainly my experience has been teaching in academic day schools in London. I started out teaching in London in 1999 when I moved to London. And I taught in South London, then I moved to West London, and then I moved to North London, and now I've moved to North East London. So I've done pretty much all points of the compass <laughs> of London academic school. So that's been quite fun to sort of make sure I complete, complete the circuit Absolutely. of London. <laughs> I came here most recently from Prague, though, where I had my first headship. So I ran a school there, which, uh, again, was a bit like Bancroft, a selective academic school. Mm-hmm. The only difference was it was a bilingual school. School set up to provide an education in English for predominantly Czech pupils. And yeah, so I had three very happy years there before coming to Bancroft's. I came to Bancroft's because I was looking for a school close to where my wife and I have a house in Walthamstow. Mm-hmm. And Bancroft's is four miles or just under four miles up the road. Uh, so it's the perfect cycle ride in the morning and the evening. Excellent. So this teaching career of yours that's taken you to Prague, to all points of the compass in London, how long have you been teaching for? How long has your career been? I've been teaching since 1989. Mm-hmm. I suppose, actually, I started, I did my PGC in 1988 to 1989. I've spent time out of teaching. I, go, I went back to university for a while. I'm a very slow learner, so it took, took me a long time to to complete the degrees I wanted to complete. Which degrees are they? So I started out doing a classics degree. I also did a PGCE. I then went back to university to do an English degree. So I did that in two years. And then I did an MPhil in 18th century studies, which was interdisciplinary, a mixture of history, philosophy and literary studies. Fantastic. So quite a lot of breadth there in your own studies and your own, your own uh, experience of academia. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, I wish I'd kept going. I mean, there's, there's, always, there's always more to learn. And yeah, I haven't really broached out into the social sciences. So, but yeah, I don't know. There's Perhaps still that's next. <laughs> which, which universities did you study at? 
I went initially to Cambridge and then I went to Oxford after that. Ah, Oxford and Cambridge? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think it's hedge, hedging your bets on boat race day. <laughs> Excellent. It would probably be impolite of me to ask which one's best, which one you prefer. I know there's opinions there and rivalries there. Uh, well, I think like most people, I worked harder at the second time. <laughs> right. Interesting. Why, why, why do you find that? I think one of the challenges, but you know, particularly, and I think this is this is something that we we face here at Bancroft. So I'm I'm the first person from mm-hmm. my family to go to university. So in terms of expectations, that was there was nothing really to base it on, and aspirations as a child. You know, my parents were very encouraging with the idea that you should go to university, uh, but that was always seen as almost mm. the end in itself. They they had no experience at university, and. Therefore, you, you, you end up, you, you work hard, you, you, you win this place at university, and then you think somehow you've achieved somehow what you were meant to. And then, you know, to be away from home, to be away from, I grew up in the north of England, you know, small, small seaside town just north of Liverpool and Southport. So going to somewhere like Cambridge was, in many respects, quite mind-blowing. So all the opportunities, things that I, you know, didn't really know knew existed. So... I think I spent the first two years or so of university trying to sort of read books in all sorts of subjects, uh, which I wasn't actually studying. So I think in terms of learning that sort of discipline and really what it was all about, I had this sense of time being very brief and that somehow this was the experience I worked for. And I think that is a challenge if you don't come from a background where they can talk about what university is and, and, and how you can make best use of it. So for me, I think going back to university was realizing that I, I hadn't made the best of the academic op- opportunities first time round. So I tried to do a part-time mm-hmm. degree while I was teaching in my first job, which was, was somewhat bonkers because um, I was working in a boarding school and you know, I was incredibly busy. I was, doing, I was running sports teams. I was teaching. I was being a house tutor, running a climbing club. Uh, so there was various different things, trying to run a choir and also trying to do a part-time degree. And it was, it was just all too much, really. So, so taking all this experience you've had of, of experiencing education with that particular mindset uh, and with embracing the variety and the opportunity uh, as you did, what advice would you put to young people today who are facing that challenge, that set of decisions? What, what did you learn that you'd like to pass on? I think university now is a very different beast from when I went there. I, I had a full grant. You know, it's almost inconceivable for children now who are paying, you know, minimum 9000 9, is just the fees for university. My fees were free. I got paid, in effect, to go to university. In the holidays, I could claim the dole. So I had unemployment benefit for holidays. And that gave a huge degree of freedom from pressure you know, there may be some negatives in that you, you probably kind of took too much of that for granted. Mm. But it did allow you to explore sort of highways and byways and, you know, go off on tangents as well. Whereas I think now for children, knowing that that's a very brief three years, they've got the pressure that if they want to think about a career, they should be doing internships. Mm-hmm. They, I think increasingly students are having to work at university, certainly my experience, when I went back to university, I had to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I had to work in the holidays to try and pay for that as well. So in terms of the two experiences, one was, I suppose, the kind of luxury experience, all expenses paid. The second one is that I had to pay my way through it. 
and at that sense, in a sense, more analogous to what students are, are experiencing now. For mm. me, that meant I had to take it very seriously. I had to know what I want, wanted out of it. Mm. But I think that was fine for me because I was in my 20s. Whereas for my first degree, I, I, so much was so new. So I think what we want to try and do is in that sixth form experience that we give students here, we want to give them almost a dry run of what university might be like. They need to start being far more independent. We want them to set up clubs and societies and to pursue their own interests. We want them as well to think about very carefully about what their real strengths are and what's the degree choice that's A, most interesting for them. Because I think if it's, if it's, a, if it's what you're passionate about, degrees involve some tough, tough moments, some, maybe some dull moments as well, some hard graft. And I think you're much more likely to complete that degree if you've got that absolute passion. Right. So you're saying that with that knowledge that, that that time at university can be fleeting, it can be brief, you'd really like the young people that you meet to make the most of that experience. And that's why you do what you can to prepare them so they hit the ground running and really enjoy and, and thrive in their, in their time at university. Yeah. And also, no one at university or, I mean, I suppose we don't hear a huge amount about the pastoral support that students are given at university. In fact, we hear the opposite. We hear, to some extent, a seeming indifference to individuals that you're very much in. You know, now universities have packed students onto courses. You might be one of 500 reading a particular subject. For students in the last two years, they haven't even been having lectures in person. So it can be quite a lonely, a lonely experience. So how are they going to have the self-belief, the discipline, and the, the real kind of commitment and I suppose belief in themselves that's going to carry them through through that. And how do you bring that out in the, the sixth formers that you work with? How do you bring out that confidence, that, that self-belief, that independence? Well, you don't just do it in the sixth form. I mean, obviously, the sixth form, when you're studying, you know, three or four subjects, you do have, that's when you start having free time in your timetable. But mm. I think it's nurturing a sense of making the best of your opportunities being at school and, and learning as, as, a, as a multifaceted and sort of multiplicitous process. So you learn just as much on a sports field, singing in a choir, going on a DOV or a you know, CCF expedition as you are in the classroom. And I think the same is true at university, that uh, yes, it's important to, to work hard and you know, get a good degree and develop that real scholarly interest. But I think if you're really going to make the most of all the different opportunities you get at university, just like at school, you have to have the vision, the courage and the curiosity to go out and seek out the opportunities that in the end might lead to the career of your choice. So, you know, for example, if you're fascinated by radio and broadcasting, Many universities have their own sort of radio station. When I was at Oxford, I helped to set up Oxygen 107, which was a new radio station that was starting. And I was very much interested in kind of cultural programming. I was, again, toying with the idea of potentially going into broadcasting or media. And I think something like that, there were people who were also involved in that, who did go off and they're now working at sort of BBC Radio or even making TV programmes. So though you're no stranger to, to, to some 
pretty academic subjects in terms of classics, English and so on. You're saying there is more to just the classroom, the books. Get out there, find those opportunities to further your learning outside the classroom, outside the textbook. Yeah, and and that's just as much true at university as it is at school. And so therefore, if school is like a microcosm and a training ground, and also it's a training ground for life, very few people just work in their lives. I mean, even crazy bankers who are working 20-hour shifts and things like that actually do other things. They don't just work to work. So the more extreme, you know, we, we all work to live. And how we live and the things that we do, then it's, it's more than just working. People have interests, they have hobbies, they have inner lives, they have families, so many different pursuits and interests. And that can be musical, it can be sporting. And I think these are the things that make life enriching. You know, we, we, we are nurturing human beings. We're not just the, here to churn out a set of results. I mean, I think one of the big, I suppose, challenges of UK education is to get away from a rather functionalist approach to education. And I think that's been reinforced by our whole examination system, that O-levels, GCSEs, A-levels seem to imply that education is simply about getting a set of results, whereas education is, is far more important than that. Simon, you're really starting to paint a picture for me of the approach at Bancroft's, this belief in, in, in the whole person, this belief in, in life beyond study, the, the, the broader preparation for life. I feel I'm starting to get a picture of that, but how would you describe it? We know each school has got its own particular character, its own particular way of approaching things. What would you say is the essence of Bancroft's? How would you describe it? Every school is on a journey. And the journey we're on is to create a sort of range of experiences. So when a a child joins us, whether it's at age 7, at 11, 13 or 16, that for however long they're here, they will be given a whole range of different opportunities. And as well as that, there's a set of expectations from us that every child is here to take advantage of those opportunities. And that our role is to support and nurture to almost as tour guides to what life has to offer. That's a really nice way to put it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're sort of curating individual young lives and, and every different, every single person that comes to our school will have a, a, a different path. They are not a cohort to be just drilled through a set of results. They are individuals all finding their own way. There will be huge similarities between a lot of, what they choose but each different person will have a different path and a different set of experiences and our job is to make sure those are I suppose enjoyable they're challenging they're nurturing and that through those these children discover who they are discover what they're good at discover where their strengths and weaknesses are learn how to overcome adversity learn the value of flexibility and have a sense of what the world might offer afterwards. And I mean, we, we write about wanting every child to become the best version of himself or herself. And in a way, that's, that's what I think we all want, don't we? And we don't want to preload the dice or determine what one child or what is best for one child, which is why we're also fle- flexible. And it, you know, we say we're, you know, this idea of holistic. Holistic for one child might be, they do two A-levels, 
but they are also doing performance degrees, which means they can go off and pursue their dream to become a pianist. So there's very much an understanding, as you said, that each child is, is an individual. And yeah. if that child has the opportunity to discover their talents, discover their passions and is supported to get out there and really do what, what they believe in, then that, that's what your role is all about. I think so, because I think that's enabling people to become themselves. And I think we often hold ourselves back because we're not necessarily aware of what we're capable of doing. And you can't be really. And, you know, particularly with some people who come from families where, you know, if both your parents are working incredibly hard. We've got families who, who kind of run a business together, working so hard to afford our fees. You know, they're both stretched either ends of the day. They're not going to have the time to give their children those experiences. And that's, in a sense, our job. Our job is, is to help them. And within that, most parents will probably want something their child to pursue their own path, which will probably be different of course. from what they will do themselves. And therefore, how we realise that and realise the full range of possibilities, that's, the, I think, the challenge. It's why we need a really good careers education. And it's why you know, we're increasingly trying to encourage our members of our alumni and current and past parents to come into the school to talk about their experiences, you know, mm. what, their, what their experience in the world of work is like what their lives are like, what, why that excites them, why that makes their life enriching. All of these things are great ways for children to learn about different models of becoming an adult. Simon, what, what's the most enjoyable part of your role as head at, at Bancroft's? People. Okay. The great thing about being a head is my, my job is, is trying to bring the best out of everybody. It would be nice to think one can always do that, mm -hmm. but you know, that's, that's the nature of the job, and therefore that means thinking about our pupils, our parents, our staff, the wider community. And therefore, I'm very fortunate to meet just a huge, huge cross-section of people. Anybody who loves teaching is passionate about communicating with children right. and being in an environment which is based upon trying to achieve the best for children is always an amazingly optimistic environment. You're always dealing with the future. Right. You're always dealing with possibilities. So I think it's certainly something which is continually surprising. I think it, every day there's something to laugh about. I think it's a lot of fun, really. And I'd imagine every day there are also perhaps some challenges? Undoubtedly. What are the, what are the toughest challenges of your, of your role? Running a school in the pandemic has been quite interesting. And I think certainly those have been the biggest challenges. I think, you know, we all, we all read about children's mental health. I think mental health for everybody has suffered during the pandemic as well. And I think trying to support children who are experiencing difficulties, likewise with parents, supporting children who experience bereavement, likewise the same with staff. Life happens, and that includes negative things as well as positive things. And if you're a community of over 1,500 people, a lot of stories and out of those stories some some pretty awful things will, will happen and just as you're there for that community on the good days you're there for them on the bad days also yes i mean at the end of my first year in my first headship in prague we had a student who, who, who died and that was a huge shock for the community he was an extremely popular child it was tragic circumstances of his death to try and help a community overcome that grief to try and process that to try and understand the, the seemingly inexplicable loss of a school friend and at the time you know it was a community of 
about 420 people. Mm. Um, that was a huge challenge. It says so much about the responsibility of your role and the, the attitude you take towards it. I think, you know, certainly during the pandemic, it's not often you're making sort of life or death decisions, but our decision last year of whether we invite children on site to do their exams rather than have to do them online. And then when you're thinking, well, if, if you know, potentially if this goes wrong and they, this spreads infection, thinking of that, that kind of level of responsibility of decision was, it was, a, it was considerable. It's, it's, it's important stuff. Simon, you've given us really quite a, quite a deep insight here into your particular ideas, approaches, attitudes towards education, towards the development of young people and how those attitudes and approaches are, are shared at Bancroft's. I'd like to know, I suppose, a little bit about you when you're off duty. What do you do when you're not teaching, when you're not fulfilling those important roles as head? How do you unwind? How do I unwind? Oh, lots of different ways. I, I love cooking. I like gardening, I love reading, so there's sort of more reflective, sort of homely pursuits. I'm very keen on mountaineering and climbing, so when I'm in London, I'll try and make sure I get to the bouldering wall if I can once a week. One of the great things about the school is it's in Epping Forest, so I love going running, so either running around through Epping Forest or, or, you know, again, I cycle to work and cycle home from work every day. So exercise is, 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 is vital for me. My wife and I, in the holidays, tend to live in Gloucestershire. Mm-hmm. So actually enjoying rural life, going out bird watching, you know, walk, walk, walks in the woods. Sure. So just as you've said before, that, that there's more to life than just study, academia, books. You believe very fully in getting out there, enjoying the outdoors, enjoying life. Yeah, I think all of us are, are bodies and minds. If you, you nurture and exercise both, I think it's a, that, that, that for me seems to be a good recipe both for mental health, for physical well-being and, and, and for, 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 for happiness really and contentment. I think we can all certainly agree on that one. Simon Marshall, head at Bancroft's, you've been so open with us. You've shared so many of your ideas, your perspectives, and you've given us a real taste of the sort of ideas that, that live within the school life at Bancroft's. So thank you so much for, for sharing your time with us. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Simon. That's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school website, bancrofts.org. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.